this week's Adam Schefter podcast, we're getting closer to free agency. We'll talk to one of the top restricted free agents out there, Saints restricted free agent quarterback Taysom Hill, who was directly affected by Tuesday's announcement that Drew Brees is returning to the New Orleans Saints. And we'll talk to ESPN reporter Jeff Darlington about all the quarterback speculation and rumors, most notably surrounding Tom Brady, the Patriots free agent quarterback, and where is the most likely place that Tom Brady will end up in 2020. And we'll sit down with the XFL quarterback Cardell Jones, who has the D.C. defenders off to a 2-0 start and has taken the XFL by storm. I also want to remind you to check out the Baseball Tonight podcast. The Astros cheating scandal has been front and center, and Baseball Tonight has you covered. If you haven't already, download and subscribe to the Baseball Tonight podcast and the Adam Schefter podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get to podcasts. And before we get to Taysom Hill and Jeff Darlington and Cardell Jones, first a word from ZipRecruiter. Hiring's challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. And growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones, then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. And now, the Saints restricted free agent quarterback, Taysom Hill. The news came today that Drew Brees announced he's coming back to the Saints for the 2020 season. Where were you when you heard, and what was your reaction? <laughs> well, I actually, um, I just barely saw the news that, that he had uh, announced it um, just right before I called, actually. Um, but he and I had had conversations in the past, and, um, you know, I, I had a pretty good inkling that he was going to come back. I just didn't know when everyone else was going to find out. So, um <laughs> You know, I like, I'm, I'm so excited for Drew to come back. You know, he's become such a good friend, such a you know great mentor to me. And you know, when we had conversations, I told him that man, I I sure hoped he he came back and played. I I felt like it was better for the NFL for him to be playing, and certainly you know, a great thing for the Saints and for all of us to continue to watch him play. And that's interesting that you wanted him to come back because. A lot of people viewed you as the quarterback of the future. So when Drew Brees announces he's back with the Saints, that means that you're not going to be the starting quarterback for the Saints in 2020. You're okay with that, Taysom? Yeah, look, man, I I have so much respect and admiration for Drew. I you know, I will support him and you know, um for as long as I can, you know, and I, I hope he continues to play and obviously there's a process 
going to restricted free agency and we'll go through that process and, and see what happens. But man, I would love to, I would love to play with Drew again. Um, and I, I think having had three years behind him, it, it really has been the best thing for my career. And, and, you know, if that turns out to have another year to learn from him, um, it's only going to make me that much better. What have you learned from Drew Brees backing him up the last three years? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's hard to, you know, answer this in, in such a short time frame. But um, I would say I, I didn't realize what I didn't know until I got to the NFL and I started working with him. I remember I was so naive. I, I got to the NFL and, and I had this perception that, you know, Drew, you know, of course he's going to prepare for every game and, and everything else, but I didn't realize the amount of time and the effort that he puts into every single game um, to make sure that, you know, he leaves no stone unturned. And in my mind, I was like, man, Drew's been doing this for 16, 17 seasons. There's not a defense he hasn't faced. There's you know nothing this guy has not seen. But I felt like he prepared the same way every week. And it was as if it was the first time he's, he's seen this defense or this, this team. And um, man, just seeing the way that he prepares was really eye opening to me. And I would say that that is, you know, the biggest thing that I've taken away. And you'll still be able to learn from him in year four things you haven't seen before you think in the first three years with him. Yeah, I I think so. You know, I think obviously my role has been different. So, you know, I've had to spend time elsewhere and making sure that I'm ready and prepared for game day in unique ways. And, um, you know, Drew has has been a great asset to me. And, um, uh, you know, again, I have so much respect for him that, you know, I told him that he should play for as long as he wants. And I would love to to continue to be his teammate. And, um, you know, that's just, I just have so much respect for him. It, it, it just doesn't bother me. What's interesting about that, Taysom, is that to me, when you go back and look at many of the quarterbacks that have been on the same roster, they don't always get along. It seems like there's some sort of competition. (laughs) Like, we didn't always see Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre get along. We didn't always see Steve Young and Joe Montana get along. But here we have a case where you clearly get along with Drew Brees. You wanted him to come back, even though that could have a direct impact on you and what you make financially in the 2020 season. Why do the two of you get along in that way when some other quarterback combinations haven't been able to do that? Well, I think, you know, Drew and I have so many similarities, you know, and um, we, I think we just hit off, hit it off initially when I, when I first got there. And when I first got there, you know, it was my rookie year and um, I was obviously older for a rookie. And I remember there were things going on that, you know, I was being treated like a rookie and, man, Drew stuck up for me every time to the point where, like, people just left me alone, you know? And Drew, every time, was like, man, leave him alone. He's 27 years old. Like, he he went and spent two years serving, you know, for his church. And I feel like that kind of – like, I had so much respect for him. Here's this, this Hall of Fame quarterback that didn't know me at all, and he was defending me, sticking up for me from the day I got there. And then as I got to know him and, you know, he took me under his wing and, and frankly, like I, I view him as, as a big brother to me. And that's really how our relationship has, has evolved. And, 
at the end of the day, like I look at Drew coming back and, you know, maybe I'm not playing quarterback, which is ultimately where, you know, I want to have an opportunity to play in the NFL, but there's still going to be opportunities for me to make plays. And I can tell you one of the unique experience for me that most backup quarterbacks don't get is I'm in the huddle with Drew on game day. Like I see how he looks at guys in the huddle. I see how he manages that and the leadership that, that he, you know, exhibits on game day in the huddle. And that to me is invaluable. Those pregame speeches are pretty good, Taysom, that he gives. <laughs> They're all really good, man. I, I, I've done the best that I can just to, <laughs> just to be a sponge around him and, and see how he operates. There's no way you could duplicate that right here, right now, right? And give me a little pep talk here for the <laughs> remainder of our little segment. Come on, Adam, let's get it. Anything like that that you picked up from Breeze that you could deliver right here, right now? Well, every, every, everyone's a little bit different, but I think there's a time and a place, you know? There's a time and a place. you got to get in that, that mindset. Now, let me ask you this question. We've talked a lot about Drew and how it impacts you. What about your future? What about – we know that Sean Payton looks at you as the future quarterback in New Orleans. At least that's what I've been led to believe. What about the idea that there's another team out there this offseason that can make a run at you as a quarterback? How would you feel about leaving New Orleans this offseason if that opportunity were to arise? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. Um, like I said, I, I think there's there's obviously a process of, of being a restricted free agent. And, you know, my agent and I are going through that process and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I'm in no hurry to leave New Orleans, you know, um, is, as I look at my career, I, I certainly have goals. I have a vision for myself as to what I can be in the NFL. And there has been nothing that has been said, or I've, I've never been treated in any way that would lead me to believe that the vision that I have for myself is not the same vision that coach Payton has for me as well as the other guys on staff. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm in no hurry, but I, I also, you know, think that there's an important element of being a free agent. You finally have the opportunity to sit down, say, what are my goals? What are the visions for myself? And then see who shares those same, you know, thoughts as you do. And like I said, we'll go through that process. It's super early, so I have no idea what's going to happen. But, um, you know, we'll go through that process and see what happens. We're also smart enough, I think, everybody is to figure out that, with Drew coming back and with New Orleans wanting you back, and we'll see whether or not they actually can get you back, that Teddy Bridgewater probably is likely to be moving on. If and when he does sign with another team, Taysom, what will another team be getting in Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback? Yeah, um, you know, I haven't talked to Teddy this offseason about where he's at and, and his thoughts and stuff, but I have a lot of respect for Teddy. You know, it's not easy to come in and and back up a guy like Drew, and then when a guy like Drew goes down to step in and, and fulfill that role after Drew's been doing it for so long, he's been playing at such a high level, um, that is not an easy thing to do, and Teddy handled it like a champ. And I think what, what teams get out of Teddy is, I think he's a great leader. I think he's a great locker room guy. You know, he gets along with, with everybody um, in the locker room, and he's a smart player, so the thing that I really respect about Teddy is he's not going to go into a football game and not be prepared. And he's not going to cost you football games. You know, he's going to be prepared and he's going to, you know, create opportunities for teams 
to win football games, and he protects the football, and and that's what we did in those those five games that he started, and we won. Now, Taysom, going back to Super Bowl week, there was a lot of talk about you as a quote unquote franchise quarterback. The talk got out there somehow, some way. What I think people don't realize is that you did start at quarterback for four years at BYU when you played there, and there were comparisons then, back then, to Steve Young while you played at BYU that Sean Payton helped perpetuate in the NFL by comparing you to Steve Young. How has that made you feel over time being compared to somebody like Steve Young, and have you ever gotten any counsel from Steve Young himself? Um, Yeah, so, look, it's humbling. Obviously, I, I grew up being a Steve Young fan, I grew up on the West Coast, and so the, the games that were often televised were the Niners, and so I, I certainly remember watching him play and, and playing some big games and, and win big games. Um, so it, it is humbling, you know, and, and then having played at BYU, Steve has been a great ambassador for the, the university, and I think with that, he has taken on this role of also being a big brother, where He's reached out to me multiple times. He, he's obviously doing the, the the sets on Monday Night Football, and so we always try and, and find any opportunity to get together and, and chat. And so he's been also a great mentor that I, I've been able to, to talk to and, you know, share different experiences with and kind of learn from him as he's also shared experiences with me. So um, he, he's been awesome. As far as, you know, being a, a franchise quarterback, it's, it's an interesting thing because um, – I've played quarterback my entire life. And as I stepped into the NFL, you know, my mindset and the things that the sound bites that I gave was, man, all, all you can really hope for when you get to the NFL is, is that you have an opportunity to compete and be the guy for a franchise. Um, and that's never changed for me. I still have that same vision. I still have that same goal is to have the opportunity to be that guy for a franchise and th- at the end of the day I believe in myself um, so you know that's never changed um, that's what I've always been and obviously with coach Payton and his creativity you know the first few years of my career has has gone down a different path but the vision for myself has never changed and it's interesting too because you turned 30 August 23rd I don't know that there are many quarterbacks that we could say their best football is ahead of them at age 30 but that may be the case with you how does that make you feel and what we think is in store for you for your NFL future yeah you know honestly it it, I have no problems being 29 I have no problems being 30 um I had a conversation with our quarterback coach Joe Lombardi and I remember he made a comment to me and he said man there's just there's a lot of tread left on your tire um meaning there's a lot of football left ahead of me and I feel the same way I, I think Again, going back to Drew, it's been a unique experience for me to see the way that he manages and handles his body, the way that he's taking care of himself, to play to 40, 41, you know. Um, and I think he could play beyond that. But So I've followed the way that he manages that, and he's been um, incredible at it. And um, at the end of the day, I, I feel, you know, really young. I feel really capable. And I also think – being 29 and being 30 into this next year, I, I feel like it's created this unique opportunity where from a physical standpoint, I feel capable of making every play that I've ever been able to make at 29 or 30. But I also I also feel more mature mentally and emotionally to handle everything that comes with, 
you know, playing that position. And I feel like it's a, it's a unique situation where, you know, it's set up for me to play my best football. Well, there's a reason that Sean Payton has had a man crush on you, and he's had a man crush on you for a long time, Taysom. Like, I remember sitting down with him at the combine and him going on and on, telling the story about how he claimed you on waivers from Green Bay. They were looking for, I think, a wide receiver, and they're watching film of the wide receiver, and he said, hold on, forget this wide receiver. I don't even know who the wide receiver was. Maybe you do. Who's this quarterback at Green Bay? And they claimed you. They brought you in, and ever since then, he's fallen madly in love with you. I mean, honestly, they love you as their quarter. I've never seen a coach gush about a player the way that Sean Payton has gushed about you. Do you know who that wide receiver was, by the way, that they were interested in claiming when they claimed yeah, you instead? It was, it, it was uh, Max McCaffrey. Wow. Um, yeah, Max McCaffrey was a guy. And, and you know, we, we played a lot together in Green Bay, and um, he was kind of a go-to guy for me there and um, a, a great player, I thought. So that's how it happened. I, I will say, you know, my time in New Orleans, I look back at Coach Payton, Coach Carmichael and, and Lombardi, and then I would throw in Coach Westoff, our special teams coach, and and now Coach Rizzi. I, I feel like the unique thing about my career is, as an athlete, it, it it becomes a special situation when you feel like you have the trust and respect of coaches. Now, obviously, as an athlete, I believe in myself and my capabilities, but when you have a coach that believes in you, and then he creates opportunities for you to make plays. Yeah. Uh, that's a special thing, and um, I feel like because of that, it's it's empowering as an athlete. And um, you know, Coach Payton, I feel like has been getting the most out of players since he's been coaching, and I think that's what makes him special. I think that's what makes him great, and um, I've certainly felt that. Well, it's been fun to watch you so far, Taysom, and we'll look forward to seeing what you have in store this season for I would think New Orleans, but maybe somebody else who knows. And I really appreciate. <laughs> taking some time today you're tremendous and we look forward to speaking again and seeing what happens to you during the free agent period all right thanks for having me adam and so there's the saints restricted free agent quarterback Taysom hill and now an assessment of where many of the other free agent quarterbacks stand with espn reporter jeff darlington earlier today was the news that drew Brees will return in 2020 to the New Orleans Saints. Doesn't have a contract yet. That shouldn't be an issue. Mm-hmm. They'll get that worked out of formality. But as that happened, my first reaction was, this is a little bit of a hint of what's to come in the coming weeks where literally one quarterback domino sets off dominoes to another quarterback domino. We'll get to all of them. But first, your reaction to the Drew Brees news and what effect it will have. Yeah, exactly that. I feel like that um this is the first domino. And, you know, when you talk to people with the Bucks, for instance, mm-hmm. you kind of get this sentiment there that, like, they're waiting to see how things kind of fall out here, that they're not necessarily sold on Jameis, but they also are kind of keeping that in their back pocket as they wait to see what becomes available. Uh, same with Carolina. When they talk about Cam Newton, it doesn't feel all that great of an endorsement there from Dave Tepper. So all of a sudden now, Drew Brees staying feels like it should feel like something that's maybe uh, calms the calms the waters but instead teddy bridgewater now much more likely to hit the free agent market and go somewhere else and as a result you've got now other teams that'll have to decide and they'll have to weigh teddy bridgewater's pending free agency uh with that you brought up tampa waiting for drew Brees' decision i take it you are connecting Teddy Bridgewater and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a potential prospect. 
I am, and I would connect to that degree pretty much any option that becomes available. Now, is Tom Brady going to consider Tampa as an option? Uh, I doubt it at this point, but I would say that the Bucks would be open to uh, to all options, including that of Tom Brady. So, so yes, I am connecting Teddy Bridgewater, but in the same breath, uh, from from my conversations with the Bucks, they really want to see what the entire landscape, and that includes ownership. They want to see the entire landscape in the next few weeks before they decide on Jameis. You brought up Panthers ownership. What's your read on that in a little bit more in depth? You said, again, they sounded like they're waiting. I'm curious to know your thoughts as they pertain to the Panthers quarterback situation. Well, well, two things, Adam. First, Dave Tepper coming out and saying that they've got to know whether Cam is healthy before they can decide whether he's a part of the organization this year. That not exactly a ringing endorsement when Kevin Colbert for instance, paving the way a different way by saying, yeah, we're, we're all on board here with Ben Roethlisberger. We've got to continue to see what happens with him. But the one, the real alarming thing behind the scenes when it comes to Cam is that from what I understand, there's going to be a workout in March to find out where exactly Cam's ankle is. Mm-hmm. And some of the people I've talked to don't really necessarily think that that's enough time for that ankle surgery to, to heal up, to give them a good read on where he stands. So if they're going to try to make a decision in any capacity off this workout in March, again, I don't think it bodes well for uh, for where things stand with Cam and the Panthers. So let's say Cam does not return to Carolina. Right. How do you project the Panthers quarterback situation this offseason? I know it's hard. I know there's a lot of speculation sure. involved, but what would be your projection today in mid-February? Well, I, if, if Cam were not to return – Again, it's the same thing. All of a sudden, these, these players become far more valuable. And it's not just Teddy Bridgewater. It's what do the Titans do with Ryan Tannehill uh, if they don't decide to franchise him or they pursue Tom Brady. All of a sudden, now his value somewhere else. Maybe the Panthers start to look in that direction. Or maybe they simply try to reboot completely, draft a guy, and see what happens. The, the point in all of this is that, to your point at the beginning of this, Drew Brees returning. Returning feels like it's these things, and instead it just throws a wrench into what will be a wild 30 days before free agency, not even once free agency starts. You brought up Brian Tannehill. Do we consider him and Tennessee, I don't want to say a foregone conclusion, but a likely match? I do not. I don't you do not? Only because I put the Titans and the Raiders right now as the front runners for Tom Brady's service. Uh, and and as a result of that, that would leave Tannehill as the odd man out if uh, if Mike Vrabel does try to create a reunion with his friend Tom Brady in Tennessee. And I, look, Tennessee has to be considered uh, one of the bright spots when when you look at what Tom Brady is looking for uh, in free agency, whether it is the team itself and what they possess personnel wise, whether it is the ability to potentially collaborate with the head coach. Uh, and have some say in both game planning and personnel. Uh, I, I quite frankly think the Tennessee Titans make a lot of sense for Tom Brady, and if that is the case, then Tannehill has to be wondering uh, if his home will be there next year or if he, you know, and honestly, he probably stands to make more money if he were to play the free agency market and not get franchised this year. So uh, it, it's another domino that will be completely intriguing in the next month. Now, there's a lot there that you just said that we're going to go back to for a moment. I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah. But, but here's yeah. my thought as you're, as you're going through this with Tennessee. Tennessee, again, I thought was a logical match and pairing for Ryan Tannehill. 
Now, you're saying you're saying that you believe the Tom Brady decision very well could be down to or come down to Tennessee and Oakland. So again, let, let's just look at it, and we'll get back to Brady in a second. Let's look at it from the Tennessee perspective. So if you're the Titans, then, and you think you have a chance to get Tom Brady, mm-hmm. then you may not use your franchise tag on Ryan Tannehill. And if yeah. you don't use your franchise tag on Ryan Tannehill, and you allow him to hit the market, and you strike out on Tom Brady, now you're now you're in now, now you're in a bad situation because well, and that lost. and that is what makes. Adam, the whole Tom Brady thing, all the more intriguing from the standpoint that, you know, I'm not saying guys are tampering, but at some point, I don't know how he does it or what he does, but Tom Brady's got to get a vibe on what exists before March 18th. Now, he has between March 16th and 18th, but if we're to assume that the NFL world will be decided in those two days, both from the perspective of the Patriots and who they can bring in to satisfy and quench Tom Brady's desire to have better personnel and allow him to actually kind of feel out what is, exists in free agency. If we're to assume that that's all going to happen between March 16th and 18th, I mean, that is absolutely wild to think of the dominoes that will fall in those two days. And a lot of people, I don't know, realize this, but you spend a lot of time in the Boston area. You've got a lot of sources yeah. in that area. And I don't realize, I don't think people realize how connected you are to that situation. So I want to go back to this. <laughs> you believe the Titans and the Raiders are the two leaders in the clubhouse for Tom Brady's services. Do you think that it's more likely that he'd sign with one of those teams than return to New England? Or where do you put returning to New England in that pecking order, Jeff? I So so this is, we'll call it what, educated speculation? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what this time of the year uh, is. And, you got, and, we, and I want to be careful there that this is not coming you know, as a news story. Mouth here. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, if you're, if you're asking me to put odds on this thing, I say Titans and Raiders, and then I say Patriots, and then I put down the list teams like the Chargers, the Dolphins, and some of those other names. The that, wild uh, cards. That the wild cards. Certainly the wild cards. But the yeah, field. Put, the field, Jeff. Would, the field, exactly. And I would put the Patriots, though, um, somewhere pretty close behind, though, uh, the Titans and the Raiders, if you're asking me to put odds on this thing. And, you know, here's what's interesting about that, too, right? Here, and, and, again, the stories come together. Let's compare and contrast Tom Brady with Drew Brees, okay? Yep. Drew Brees all along. It's New Orleans or it's retirement. I don't know if I want to play, but if I do, it's New Orleans. That's There's right. his announcement. I look forward to rejoining you, Houdat Nation. Mm-hmm. We haven't had any of that from Tom Brady. All year no. long. It's never been, I can't wait to go back to New England. Me and the Patriots forever. It hasn't yeah, been that. Case. Right. Right? Not the case. Not and the I think case. That that's, that's something that I think has been very difficult in my assessment of the reactions, anytime I mention this, for sports fans to digest. Not, it's, it's, it's as if people think it's so unfathomable that he would leave New England, and as a result, they just sit there and say, it's not going to happen. Where we need to wrap our heads around the idea of Tom Brady leaving because he is considering exactly that. This is not, that is not speculation. That is fact. And whether they can get on the same page in the next 30 days, that, that is the Patriots and Tom Brady, and yes. figure this thing out, and it is a tall task for, from a number of different levels, 
unless they can figure it out in the next 30 days, Tom Brady is gone. And so would you say in your educated speculation that it's more likely that he'll leave than be back or more likely that he's back than he leaves? I mean, it's just... I think it's it's more likely that he's gone. And, And the reason I say that is because we are putting so much weight on the meeting between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to figure this out. And I don't know that I have that much trust in that, in that conversation when it comes to Tom basically trying to get on the same page with Belichick in terms of, um, I mean, do, do we really picture Tom walking into this meeting and be like, look, we're going to need to do something better on offense. This is what we need to do. And Belichick simply saying, yeah, you're right. Let's do that. I, I just, I have a tough it's time. Not that simple. That possibility. It's, it's not that simple. And by the way, another, I think, assumption that people have that lead them to believe that Tom will definitely stay is Robert Kraft. I get no sense from my conversations with people that Robert Kraft is going to step in and simply tell Belichick that he's got to keep Brady. He might tell, he might tell Belichick, I want Brady right. here, and he might tell Tom Brady, I still want you here, but that I do not sense is going to be a mandate from the top. And if people think that he's just going to come in and mediate and smooth it all over, uh, I, I think once again... You're sorely mistaken. And by the way, that's what happened when Drew Bledsoe was benched in 2001 for Tom Brady. Robert Kraft would have liked to have kept Drew Bledsoe on as a starter, but it didn't happen that way, and he knew when to keep his distance and when to let the head coach be the head coach. And again, these are football decisions that Bill Belichick has to make. And again, if we just look at Bill Belichick's past history, he's always moved on from players... Before he should have, a year ahead of things. And I know Tom Brady's a different category. He's an icon, the greatest player of all time. I got all that. <laughs> but Belichick's way is not a sentimental way. And yeah, and by the way, it's not just about Belichick, too. Like, it's not, it's not right. going to be as simple as... I mean, Belichick, in some capacity, is going to have to convince Tom Brady to stay. And that's where I think the rub is. It's not as if Tom's going to be in there... like and say, you know, as long as Belichick shows me a little bit of love, I'll say. Like, Tom is looking at this thing saying, where can I win next year? Where can I win a Super Bowl? And in some capacity, he's got to be looking at other teams as more likely candidates to win right now, given the personnel on their squads, than the Patriots themselves. So if you had to venture a guess, an educated speculative guess, today, (laughs) mid-February, on the team that Tom Brady is playing for in 2020, give me the team. I'll say the Titans. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's but, what I sense from you. You you, you sound yeah. You sound gung ho on the Titans. I want to be so clear that that's 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 a guess at this point because quite frankly, yeah. Tom Brady does not even know. And I know people want to assume that Tom knows at this point what he's doing. I cannot be more unequivocal with this fact. Tom Brady does not know right now yep. what he is going to do. Correct. I agree with that. So. You know, the Raiders make some sense. I think the idea of John Gruden and the collaboration and the excitement there would be pretty fun for Tom. But I just think that the Titans, what they have right now, what they can present, the possibility of a Super Bowl, a team coming off of obviously a postseason run, I think he can look at that and say, I can put that team over the hump. And what about the Raiders? What are your assessment? What's your assessment of the Raiders as they pertain to Tom Brady? Yeah, I, I think Gruden is the big factor there in the sense that Tom, with the idea of, of going in there with a coach that he can collaborate with and a guy who has all the power ultimately in Las Vegas, 
And if he he would look at that saying, like, if I can get in there with Gruden and we, we're on the same page and we're thinking about collaborative game plans and personnel and, and having some fun, um, that is an extremely, extremely, uh, let's just say, uh, pleasant thought for Tom Brady. How much of this is a family decision and not a football decision? Like, I want my family to live here. My family would like to live there. In some capacity, yes. But one thing I think people overstate is the fact that the the uh, putting his house up for sale in Boston. A lot of people took that as that's the end in New England. I, I would actually counter that and say it wasn't necessarily the end, but it did certainly allow him the freedom to look at all thirty two teams with an open mind. Mm-hmm. And and to, to, it certainly will play a factor where they live and and the family aspect of it. I, it's been made very clear that that will come into play. But I think that um, I think that. The family is far more flexible in terms of what they do and where they go, uh, and this is not as necessarily rigid as we might come yeah. to expect. And would you believe the family is open to both Nashville and Las Vegas? At this point, yeah, I'm led to believe that uh, that's certainly uh, options. Neither one has been taken off the, t- the table uh, as a result of that. And by the way, we should also point out another uh, rumor that got swirled around there was the idea that he bought a house in Greenwich and that that would tie him to the Northeast. That's not true. He didn't buy a house in Greenwich. So, quite frankly, again, geographically, he has no ties to anywhere at this point. So he's a true free agent. He's a free agent. In terms of being a football player, real estate, whatever it may be. And we'll see what that will bring about here in the coming weeks. I'll tell you this. I don't know. How long have you covered the NFL for now, Jeff? 20 years, I'm going to guess? Yeah, this is, I think, my 16th year. Okay. So I'm at 30, and I would say this. We've never had an offseason where there have been no. so many quarterback questions in one offseason ever. No way. This puts, this makes, this put, you clump Kirk Cousins offseason with Peyton Manning's offseason and add a few more. That's what we're about to enter when it comes to this offseason. And we did our best to break it down, and I appreciate your educated <laughs> speculation as to where Tom Brady and other quarterbacks may land. Tremendous insight from you today. And, and it's the reason that I reached out to you this week. I figured, you know what? <laughs> Let's go to the quarterback whisperer himself, Jeff Darlington, to see what he has to say about all these situations. And, and you came through and you produced. All right, well, we'll see in a month whether I produce. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll bring you back for a return engagement once Mr. Brady's made up his mind here. Uh, that sounds good. I appreciate you, man. And there's ESPN reporter Jeff Darlington sizing up this year's free agent quarterback class, which figures to be the most intriguing free agent quarterback class that we've ever seen. And now on to another quarterback, an XFL quarterback, D.C. Defenders quarterback, Cardell Jones. Cardell, appreciate you taking the time today. How would you say it's worked out for you so far in the XFL? Oh, man, so far so good. I can't ask for a better situation, a better team, and a better better front office to kind of play and work for. So, um, And thanks for having me on the show today. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Well, why do you say you can't picture yourself working for a better team and better front office? Why do you say that? For the most part, we always on the same page. Um, being around a lot of coaches with a lot of different coaches, being from many different levels, has definitely helped my growth and um, as a player, as a quarterback, as a leader, and just being and having the opportunity to be able to to lead these guys and uh, hopefully the right direction. Cardell, how did you get to the XFL? Um, I think it was it was a great opportunity for me to take advantage of the opportunity to finally have a chance to, to start um, and play and contribute to the organization instead of just being you know. Uh, uh, pretty much a practice player in the NFL. Well, you bounced around from Buffalo to the Chargers to the Seahawks from 2016 through 2019. Why were you not able to get that playing time? 
You know what? I was lucky enough to be in a room with some unbelievable quarterbacks, first in Buffalo with E.J. Manuel and a guy named Tyrod Taylor, who we all know of, um, to learn behind them guys. And definitely when I got out to to with the Chargers and been in the room with a guy like Phillip Rivers, who really elevated my game, and Kellen Clemens, elevated my game from a mental standpoint the first week I was there. It literally made me feel like I never played football a day in my life being around them guys because of the way they approach each and every game and each and every practice. So just being um, in them situations with established guys, pretty much just trying to learn behind them guys, and um, that's what pretty much found myself here now. I mean, it wasn't like I was going to – really compete or, or take them guys. Yeah, them was established guys and I'm pretty sure Hall of Famer. What were you able to pick up from them that you hadn't seen before that so impressed you? Um, I think just the approach to the game. Yeah. I think um, I definitely got like Phillip Rivers. Um, Phillip has done numerous, has done numbers um, for my growth and my development as a quarterback position. Huh. I mean, Phil, he's not the most athletic guy, but the way he approached each and every game and each and every situation, he's going to beat you from the neck up. And I don't know, and Philip and me and him joke about this a lot, I don't know if he can throw 40 yards, but the, the timing and the um, effort and the um, anticipation that he had, that he got things that you can't coach. When you look back on where you've come from, you were fourth-round pick in 2016. 139th overall selection out of Ohio State to where you are now. What is the biggest difference in your game with all these stops in the NFL and the XFL now with the D.C. Defenders? I think the biggest difference from, from there to now is finally having the opportunity to show what I got. Um, and, and definitely I grew a lot um, in the mental aspect of being a quarterback. And not just being a quarterback, being an NFL player or a professional football player. Um, there's a lot of things that, that kind of goes without being said of what you need to require or what you need to do or how you need to act. And, and I learned that, you know, and, and it got me here, and um, which I'm thankful for being. But I think that's the biggest difference and uh, definitely with my growth. What is the long-range goal? Is it to get back to the NFL, Cardell? Is it to dominate the XFL? You guys are 2-0 right now. You're coming off a game in which you went 23-37 for 276 yards and two touchdowns and another win. What is your goal long-term? Honestly, man, I really don't have a long-term goal with this, man. My my plan and my uh, goal is to put my team in a situation and an opportunity to win each and every game, each and every week, and hopefully win a championship. So at the end of the season, we'll go from there. But that's my focus right now. My focus on the XFL and D.C. defenders. You know, I don't know how many people realize this, but you haven't lost a game you started since high school. <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize that. I mean, that's a cool stat. That just means I've been lucky enough and blessed to play with a lot of talented players and on some great teams. Yeah, but it has to be something to do with you too, Cardell. I mean, listen, I get the humble, modest approach, but you haven't lost a game that you've started since high school. That's crazy. Well, listen, man, I am, I've am i been fortunate enough to play with some unbelievable athletes. It's just my job at, at certain points is just don't mess it up. You know, it's just like, hey, just don't mess it up. You know, um, just get the ball in these guys' hands. I was blessed enough to play with a guy named Zeke Elliott, freaking Michael Thomas, Devin Smith in college. And now these guys we have here, DeAndre Thompson, Eli Rogers, freaking uh, Rocket Ross, all these guys. Just get the ball in their hands and let them do what they do. You bring up some great <laughs> players there. Well, who's the one guy who just left you in awe that you couldn't believe how good he was? Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to have to say Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa? Bosa. Um, to this day still, is probably the best player I ever played with. Um, just the simple fact of I witnessed him, you know, being – he was a year behind me. Just being a freshman in camp, coming in in January – or was that June? And, you know, running with the younger guys, 
with the twos and the threes and pretty much the fours in camp to pretty much starting by the end of that day in practice to never looking back. We had a freshman All-American the previous year, Dolphins Washington, who played defensive end and was killing it, who also got drafted by the Bills and still playing around in the league now. Um, Joey was so good, and they had a decision to make. They were like, hey, you know what, Dolphins, let's put on a couple more pounds and move you inside. That's how good Joey was as a freshman and earlier in his career and still by far the best player I ever played with. Have you had the chance to see Chase Young play at all, and how would you compare him to Joey You know what? It's hard to compare guys. um, But, yeah, of course I watched Chase Young play um, his whole career at Ohio State. And, um, you know, he was around while he was – I was around while he was in the recruiting process. So it's pretty cool to see his uh, growth in this process and definitely the way he changed his body. But it's hard to really compare a guy when you don't know – when you don't see him every day. What is he doing when the lights are not on? You know, what is he doing when no one is watching? And I think that's what separated Joey to me. He was always doing something to, to, to make his um, game better. He was always doing something to take care of his body. And clearly it shows and it's, and it's continuing to show. And I'm pretty sure Chase is on that level as well. But, I mean, I got to witness it firsthand with Joey every day. Now, you mentioned some of the guys you play with there in the XFL, and you're a guy, like I said, that played for the Bills in 2016 and the Chargers in 17 and 18 and the Seahawks for a little bit of time there during the offseason in 2019. Who's a guy that you're playing with right now that you look at and you say, this guy belongs in the NFL? I think a lot of guys, man. That's a great question. I think we have a lot of NFL talent on this team. I think that, um, I mean, I mentioned this before. I mean, it's just such, it's not that many spots on the NFL team. So guys that's playing in the XFL necessarily don't mean they can't play in the NFL. It's just, you know, it's just limited opportunities there. And I think the XFL provided us with amazing opportunity to continue our professional career. So I think our team is definitely loaded with um, NFL talent. Um, it's it's hard to pick out one or two guys in particular that say, oh, I for sure know they can make NFL roster, you know, been in the right situation and the right timing. I think our team is loaded with guys like that. Loaded. So it should be a big yes, sir. It should be a big year for the D.C. defenders in the XFL then, correct? Oh, for sure. That's what we're anticipating. That's what we're expecting. Now, you brought up Phillip Rivers before and what you've learned from him. And I'm just curious to know, I'm sure you're paying attention to what's going on in the NFL with all the quarterbacks who are poised to become free agents right now, including Phillip. You got a guess or a theory on where he's going to wind up, being that he and the Chargers have basically broken off any talks and broken off their relationship, and Phillip's now going to go play for somebody else? At least that's what he aspires to go do? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know, but I know for sure that Phil is going to pick the right place for him and his family and, and to further his career. Um, if I had to, you know, go out the limb, I would think he would go to a place like maybe um, the Colts or, or somewhere um, where they have a young, talented quarterback that he can come in and groom and show him really how to be a starter and things like that. And the reason why I'm saying the Colts as well because the, uh, the offensive coordinator Nick was out there with San Diego, well, out there in LA with us with the Chargers, and I believe it's the, uh, pretty much the same system. So I think that'll be the easiest transition. But at the end of the day, it's going to definitely be up to him and his family. He's going to do what's right for him. Well, Melvin Gordon already speculated the Colts. Nick Sirianni, the Colts offensive coordinator, Frank Reich, the Colts head coach, work with Philip with the Chargers, as you know. And so that would be a logical fit that I think a lot of people envision. So you could see that one happening in time if both sides obviously can figure it out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think, like I said, Philip is going to go somewhere to further his career and, and hopefully be able to place to um, get ready and compete for a championship. Are we going to see Cardell Jones back in the NFL? 
All right, man. Ask the thirty-two owners. <laughs> ask the thirty-two owners after after we come off that last game of the season, no matter when or where it may be. Ask the thirty-two owners. I mean, I'm just going to control what I can control and uh, try to lead this team to a championship. But do you believe by playing well for the DC Defenders that you will give yourself a better chance to reemerge and resurface in the NFL this upcoming season, Cardell? Um, I think that's a legit opportunity and a legit uh, response to potential to play that, not just me, but, you know, our, our, the success that our team has. Um, I, I wouldn't doubt it, but like I said, my goal and my focus is on leading this team to a championship. Well, that's the right attitude to take, right? All you can do is what you can do there, and you're doing it so far. Got the defenders to a 2-0 and start, and I really appreciate taking some time, Cardell, and we'll continue to follow you, track you, and wish you the best of luck for the rest of the XFL season. I oh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Special thanks to D.C. Defenders quarterback Cardell Jones, ESPN reporter Jeff Darlington, and Saints restricted free agent quarterback Taysom Hill. And special thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we'll be in Indianapolis for the Scouting Combine, bringing you the latest talks surrounding the upcoming draft and free agency. And until then, have a great week, everybody.